0: everyone, and welcome to this engineering leadership series. I'm here with Rob Osell. Some of you may recognize him from some of the engineering leadership interviews that he's been doing on here. Hey, Rob.
1: Hey, Tracy. It's <laughs> fun to be on this side.
0: Yes, yes. I feel and like name- I should
1: like maybe move my positioning in the frame or something for those that watch <laughs> so they can
0: get sense of it. Yeah, like, you know, your mic is on one side if you're interviewing, your mic is on this other side if you're being interviewed.
1: Right, yes. I forgot my, like, uh, my costume mustache or something. For...
0: <laughs> There's so many things we could do with this. Um, but my name's Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Elite, at LinkedIn, Tracy Esley. And um, I'm the CEO of a company called This Labs. And Rob and I get to work together. And uh, today we're talking about a really fun topic, which is adopting technology. Um, and I think, um, you know, this is uh, a topic that I don't know if it's taken lightly, but it's it's something that, you know, Rob, I feel like you and I are just like so passionate about. And every time we get into the room, it's like, look, I just want to help you. And, you know, it's such a big differentiator from like those salespeople that you see out there who are like, I care about your business and blah, blah, blah. And then they just kind of like you know, throw some engineers at you and, and, you know, forget because they've collected your money. Like we truly want to help. And um, I'm excited to talk to you today because, you know, you and I have been having a lot of conversations, of course, about like things that leaders should consider when adopting technology.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that can illustrate why this is so scary is like, for example, I'm not much of a car person at all. And so one of the things that I struggle with is trying to find somebody That's a good mechanic, somebody that I can trust, right? Because when I take my car in, they can tell me any number of things about it. And I don't know whether to trust them or not trust them. or they're trying to steal money, get money out of me for things I don't need. Um, and so when you find that person that understands what's going on with your car, that really communicates with honesty and openness to you and you build that relationship, you're like, that's invaluable to have something like that. And I think it's that way with technology. If you're not a traditionally technology company, you're looking to incorporate technology, that can be very intimidating. There's a lot of people out there trying to sell you products, trying to tell you that you need the thing that they have. And so trying to find a way to understand what it means to embrace that and how to navigate that path, that's an important skill that people need to know in this day and age.
0: And it's hard. I feel like you know, my husband, for example, every time (laughs) you know there's a pool he becomes a pool expert there's a car he becomes a car expert and why is that because every single step of the way there is somebody trying to cheat you out of your money you know and this goes for large organizations too you know and it hurts I mean you and I have seen so many situations in which you know tens of millions of dollars is just gone for years and years and years and like what does that actually mean so let's get into it I mean you know um, recently put out kind of these like five essential tips to help you navigate the path of adopting technology effectively. And, you know, really what that means is um, I think, you know, it does, you know, I, I think we're talking a lot to people who maybe don't have technology at their core, but this, these, this advice can also be to, you know, anybody, even large organizations who are, You know, going through digital transformation efforts or trying to get something to work or like working with technologists within your own organization and like, how can you actually work with them as leadership to actually make it effective, you know?
1: Yeah. well, this is an important topic, right? Because I think we've all been through the pandemic now, and you know, maybe you don't work in a restaurant, but I think restaurants are the best example of this. Um, you know, a lot of restaurants maybe embraced some technology prior to the pandemic, as far as um, you know, online ordering, Uber Eats, automation, things of that nature. But nowadays, post-pandemic some of the most successful restaurants you've ever seen are ones that don't have anybody eating inside them because they have such a thriving takeout business. Um, And so these companies, the ones that were well positioned to go online to embrace technology are the ones that are thriving now and are fundamentally changed from how they were before. Meanwhile, the ones that were least flexible, least interested and least positioned to be online and embrace technology, unfortunately, got left behind in the pandemic. And this is not going to just be true of restaurants this is increasingly true of everybody we're sitting here at the cusp of the ai revolution and you know we'd be foolish to think that if we aren't looking to what that is going to mean for businesses in the next 5 years 3 years whatever it is uh you know we'd be lying to ourselves so this is an important thing for people to important conversation for business leaders um, all over the place to be, to be happy right now. Yes.
0: And I can't emphasize that more. And, you know, I know we're talking about technology today, but I mean, even marketing, you know, like, uh, you know, thinking about new marketing. I mean, I spent the holiday just, you know, reading up on marketing, figuring out the new tools, looking out there and, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I have a marketing background, becoming more of a marketing expert than I was and my gosh, so much has changed in the past five years. So many things are easier, you know, with AI, a lot of things are easier too. And honestly, I'm a little upset at myself for not doing that, like not integrating, you know, what should be very important to my business, which brings us to like the first tip: is integrating technology into your core mission, integrate technology into your core mission. And what we say is the mistake is treating technology as a siloed entity. So whether that's within your organization or outsourced, right? Like, oh, it's those tech people. They're going to do stuff for us, you know, or like, oh, we outsource that. We're building this thing, whatever. It's being taken care of. Um, But really the solution uh, we say is like really embracing the idea of being a tech company, integrating your tech into your overall strategy, into the conversations, right? I mean, again, I made this mistake with, you know, some marketing decisions I've made recently. But I mean, a lot of businesses we see make this mistake um with tech so how do you recommend people do that like what is the actual advice you give people to be able to actually do this
1: yeah and again it's really in that advice that you have to embrace the idea of being a tech company but Mm -hmm. we have to explain that a little bit because Mm -hmm. you might be sitting there saying to yourself "Well, we we use computers we have you know word we have uh, softwares that we use to track our inventory or do our finances And that's not exactly what we mean. What we mean is when technology is part of both your culture and your core offering. So we've worked, you know, we talked about restaurants, right? Just because you have a ticketing system or a POS system, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a tech company. But as soon as you've embraced this idea of online ordering and really integrating that and also making it so that your customers can find you online and get connected to you and be connected to your restaurant, What does that mean, right? If you open up merchandising on top of all that, right? So you really embrace the idea of putting technology in all parts of your solution and understanding that that's a core part of what you give. So whether you're a car mechanic, a in-person training company, a restaurant, or a company that sells, uh, you know, widgets to to the actual, you know, your your distributor, whatever that is, you really want to see yourself as saying, listen, we aren't just that thing. We're not just a barbershop. We're a barbershop that uses technology to offer this. And that way that you use technology now is part of your core offering. You don't just see it as an extra thing you do on the side. Oh, we continue to be this, but we just have technology installed on the side. You think of it instead as we are the company that utilizes this technology solutions in these ways to achieve our core vision. And so, yes, you are still, say, a training company but now you're a tech enabled training company. You're still a restaurant, but you're a tech enabled restaurant. And so part of this um, solution is to understand as a leader that you are becoming something else. It is a transformative process. You are going through a metamorphosis into a different version of what you are now. And I think when companies make this mistake is when again, they treat it as that side thing. It's not what we really are. It's just a, I'm just trying to get some of this money. If you do that, what's going to happen is you're just not going to integrate it in ways that deliver results to your customers. It's always going to feel tacked on. It's always going to feel as off to the side. You're never going to prioritize it. And if you don't prioritize it, neither will your employees and neither will your customers. It'll show in the results.
0: That's scary, right? Especially when tech is just like such a big uh, investment as well. I mean, talking about like millions of dollars here, just like going. It can be a
1: self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, You go into it and you don't dive with two feet. And then all that money that you invested, you just are throwing it away. And then you get done and you say, see, I told you that would never work. And part of it is because you never really gave it that firm trust. So the
0: mistake is not encouraging active involvement in tech-related responsibilities. Our ownership is beyond a single person or vendor. The solution is embracing direct involvement with the technology strategy and implementation, having the transparency, having the accountability. Um making sure that you have the transparency and accountability so that you can actually make better decision-making within the team and among stakeholders. Um, So, you know, I'll start off by saying like this idea of technology ownership, again, it's like that whole like siloed aspect of, oh, you know, this thing is over here. Like this person's taking care of it. Like, don't worry. Right. I mean, you know, even we say like, yeah, trust us, but part of you know, when we work with companies in practice, trusting us is we are involving you. Like you might not want to get involved, but we're going to involve you because it's good for you. Like you have to talk about it because otherwise your business outcome is going to be nothing. Just like you said, right? Like you're just going to spend that money for what reason you built a cool thing. So what is it moving? Is it helping the bottom line? Like, no, it's not. So how do you do that?
1: Right. So delegation is important in Mm -hmm. any business. So we're not talking about everybody being a part of everything. Delegation is still important. But what you see is a lot of companies sometimes when they're doing something that's against the grain is they say, well, we don't have this expertise. Maybe your CEO is non-technical. Maybe all the rest of your executive team is non-technical. So you say, you know what we need to do? We need to go out and we need to hire some crazy CTO who's from a major company or was, you know, has this pedigree of being at major tech firms and we're going to bring them in and we're going to give them everything. And we're just going to give them carte blanche to do whatever they want. And what you tend to see there can be that you get a couple different problems. You can get mission drift where that organization develops its own culture, its own goals, its own vision of what the company can be. And that deviates from the main company. But beyond that, you have this blindness. You have this complete inability of the the other executives to understand what's happening on the technology side of the company and if you're embracing our first lesson and now you're embracing your role as a tech company what executives or would want would be comfortable with just being completely blind to certain parts of their business and being exposed to only seeing the sort of the marketing that that team is giving out and so what what we say here is Listen, you may be uncomfortable, you may not feel like you're technical enough, but you need to get involved. You need to understand not just what you're telling to that technical organization or those people that are involved, but you need to understand all the metrics that are going to lead to that success. You need to be able to see the result of what's happening. It needs to be more visible. Um, You can't allow people to just sort of say, you know what, I'm I'm non-technical, I'm not gonna deal with that. Because realistically, Right. If you're a, you know, whatever, you're a pharmaceuticals company, are you going to accept that one of your executives says, well, I'm not really a, I'm not really, a, I've never worked in pharmaceuticals before. So I'll let you all deal with that. I'll just deal with, you know, the HR piece or I'll just, yeah. Vote the, Usually the those things
0: things. people get fired. Right. Yeah. You need to, you need yeah.
1: to embrace that. Right. Like if yeah. you're going to be part of the company, you need to understand what the company is. And what we're saying right. is we're changing a little bit of who you are. And as such, it places a burden on all of the existing leaders to embrace that and to educate themselves on what's going on so yeah. that everybody knows what's going on.
0: I mean, honestly, it sounds exhausting, but like, it doesn't have to be if you have the right partners. I think, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's scary to take the first step, I would say, like in that direction. But once you do it, you're like, oh my God, I feel so empowered. Like I know what's going on. Right. Um, and you know, you, you talk about this, like, a, uh, you know, idea of, you know, you know, if one person owns something and then, you know, there's a culture that's developed like in the tech area, let's say, of your business, um, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, you know, shooting rockets from rooftops because somehow your vision was translated differently. Or maybe even, you know, as executives, you start feeling like you don't belong. Well, you're the executive. So if you don't feel like you belong within your own organization, like that's also a problem. Um, More likely the case, what that means, though, is they don't belong and they're they're off and you're still there. And you don't want that either. Right. Like you want to make sure that the tech people and whoever is like, you know, owning your tech responsibilities um, is fully in alignment with you.
1: Yeah. A lot of executives. Right. They've been with companies sometimes 10 years, 15 years, 20 years or more you might know every single part of that company inside and out. And it can be really um, sort of scary to go through this kind of transformation, to feel like there's a big part of what the company is going to be that yeah. you don't understand. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah. if you push that aside, if you isolate yourself from it, again, you're sort of setting up, again, this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. It's going yeah. to fail because the company isn't embracing it. It is this little part on yeah. the side of the company where everybody else operates like business as usual. Oh, but we have this tech part of it. No, you got to get that. But it's invigorating.
0: It's invigorating. Yeah, Yeah. I think I think getting involved in that type of stuff is invigorating. And and honestly, the more uh, leadership, you know, as an executive, if you're getting involved in that type of stuff, you will kind of be mad at yourself if you didn't get involved in the first place, because I think, you know, business folks (laughs) who are non-technical, you know, are still amazing managers, are amazing leaders and like you know, your, your tech organization is missing that from you. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of problems you can fix by just being involved as a leader within that organization. And you should. So tip three, hire technologists who can execute your vision. So the mistake is hiring tech experts who focus solely on technology, not the business strategy and hiring without clear rules and alignment. The solution is seeking individuals who bridge the gap between tech and business. And making sure that there's clearly defined business goals and objectives from day one. Mm
1: -hmm. This is the flip side of the previous one. Mm -hmm. Listen, you know, if you're an executive and you're bringing on this sort of embracing technology in your firm, yes, you need to learn what's going on with that technology and the changes it's making to your product and your company and your culture. Mm -hmm. But at the flip side, you need to make sure that those technologists you're bringing in, also embrace your existing culture and your existing (laughs) company and its existing mission. They need to be a part of that. And so a mistake that a lot of companies will do is again, they'll go out and they'll hire the most qualified person, but these people come in and they act as if this is just a abstract exercise for them. So they wanna use the coolest tech. They wanna use it in ways that are interesting to them. Um, And they aren't necessarily beholden or, or necessarily keeping themselves accountable to understanding where the company is and where its customers are and what are the solutions that they would be looking for and the unique ways that they want to engage in the technology. There's really a lot to be said about bringing the right technology to the right people. And and so if you just go out and you hire the best technologists you can and pay for the most expensive software you can, that will not necessarily guarantee success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you need to make sure that the technologists you do bring in are interested in your mission as well.
0: Yeah, interested in
1: what you want to do
0: there is um so much of that i mean i you know so, so many so many sidebar conversations me and rob have had have been like what why <laughs> why is this person this technologist telling you to use this this does not have to be hard how is this gonna take you know how is this gonna take a year to build why you know wh- like there's there's just so many easier ways to do things. And, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess going back to the car mechanic, you know, thing, Rob of like, oh, you need to, you know, your entire engine is shot, you know, well, let's rebuild. It sounds like a fun project to me, you know, with all those like, you know, mechanics, rebuilding cars or, you know, hobbyists rebuilding cars, but like in reality, you know, you just needed to, you know, whatever change your oil yeah, or,
1: or the other side can <laughs> be really weird too you've convinced yourself that something's broken in your car so you take it to the mechanic and you tell them this is broken and the mechanic brings it back to you and says it's not broken i mean i'll yeah. fix it if you want me to but i i don't think you should yeah and that can be sometimes weird you were kind of getting yourself worked up to have something fancy new done yeah and all of a sudden it's like not guess i better buy anymore. a new car and I you get all excited about buying a new one?
0: car yeah you're yeah. like oh I, i'm gonna spend you know whatever you know fifty thousand dollars buying a new car oh i'm ready i'm ready to go you, you've like bought into it and then yeah and then all of a sudden like... you're not
1: and and then now you're not it's it's not like you're not happy that you're not spending the money now you're mad that you don't get the shiny new yeah. car that you'd already kind of convinced yourself you yeah buying.
0: i wanted that, that new car that can
1: sometimes be the hardest conversation to have with someone is to convince them they don't need to spend money on building the fancy new thing that they can work with what they already have yes uh, and that doesn't and,
0: make it better it i mean sorry that doesn't make it worse because you know when you say that i'm like well it's you know i'm just fixing my car like it's not exciting you know i don't get a new car but um Sometimes that's better. That's better in the long run.
1: It, it is when you have something that works. So mm-hmm. to, to leave the car analogy aside, listen, you know, it's not like we're sitting here again at the cusp of the AI revolution telling you, Hey, we don't need an AI because we can do with what we have. No, there's a reason to use some of the new technology. But the point is, is there's not always a reason to get rid of the amazing technology assets and practices you already have just to get something that's new. If it's working, leverage what works. <laughs> Don't just abandon it because people online are chatting about something that's newer than what you have. Um if what you have works and it works for you and your team, that's great. If it gives you room to innovate, even better. Yeah. Um you know, and so I think that's that's usually where that conversation comes in is is listen, we love new technology and we love doing things in new ways, but you know what? We there's nothing that's more fun than getting to go to a client and saying, you actually have a really good asset here that we should include as part of this transformation um, and, and make it the centerpiece.
0: The fourth one is foster curiosity and stay adaptable. So mistake is thinking technology is too difficult to understand or grasp, which we've kind of like talked about before, but the solution is really challenging your technical team to explain complex concepts and trust that your insight and intuition adds more to the technical execution than you think and ask questions to encourage innovative solutions. I want to add that to this whole idea of staying adaptable because it's also like, you know, knowing that things will change, but I guess that's embrace trial and error. That's the fifth tip.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, we get to talk to leaders on this podcast all the time. and, uh, And in these episodes, you know, one of the things that we hear over and over again from successful business leaders is this idea that they have this curiosity, this interest in learning in learning new things that doesn't be, mean they achieve mastery of these things that they learn. but they they continue to dabble they play mm-hmm. they uh research they invest they do proof of concepts they play around with and I think that's really a big key there uh is doing that and I think you, you need that in people and I think as well you know one of the things that a story that always stuck with me is that in the I used to do government contracting and so in in the government they have all these acronyms It's just an alphabet soup in the government. And when you talk to lower level leaders and lower level developers, they love to use all of the acronyms because that's a signal that you know what you're talking about, right? That's a, if you know all the jargon, it's a signal that you're in the in group. And so it's a way that kind of people subconsciously try to say, I know you don't know, so I'm clearly smarter. But what I had a conversation with somebody who used to brief at the highest levels of the government, like the president or like the cabinet. And what he said is what's fascinating is all of the presentations have the acronyms in it, but when people talk, they speak out every acronym. They don't abbreviate anything. Because the point there is they wanna make sure the information is understood. They wanna make sure that there's clarity. And I think that this is kind of a culture that you wanna create in your firm is this idea that people aren't trying to be smarter than everybody else. Instead, you wanna have this idea that everybody's excited of learning and understanding what's going on. And so you want people to be willing to, to teach, to educate, to share and explain. And you want them to be interested in asking for things that they don't understand. You want that at the lowest levels of your company and you definitely wanna mimic that or, or demonstrate that at the highest levels of your company. Um, and you know, I think that that's a a great thing for companies to create just culture wise, let alone if you're going through this kind of technology change.
0: Yeah, so sharing our YouTube shorts would be a great way to start or Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm so excited about some of the content we've been creating lately on engineering leadership. Um, But yeah, I mean, just, you know, being curious and you know, I mean, when you talk about that type of stuff, I just imagine a bunch of people in a room and I've seen it time and time again, you know, I mean, I remember working on uh, a digital transformation project with you years ago. And I think we were with that client for like three some odd years. And like every single meeting was like this, like I know more than you, you know, it's like, nobody can collaborate. Like you're just constantly fighting, you know, like you have to put on your, like your battle shields to like have these conversations um, because you know, everybody is positioning.
1: <laughs> you know? Right, but the But the best results is when somebody shows up and says, I was just reading this the other day. I yeah. don't understand how it works. Yeah. And somebody else sort of says, I think it works like this. Yeah. Well, we should look it up. And you look it up together. And then now you're both learning things. Yeah. Those and you're to...
0: like collaborating together. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 And the battle shields are down. So, um, and I think also, you know, again, where it's like challenge your technical team to explain complex concepts. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I mean, technical solutions, you know, in, in technical organizations are not dissimilar to business solutions, you know, or any other solutions. So when you challenge your team to explain complex concepts, you're helping them think through their problems and you're, you know, asking questions that they may not have thought of. And I think another great thing about this is it really helps um, your your tech team, your tech leaders um, to better understand what you want out of them. Because a lot of times when you're asking those questions and they've thought of like some, you know, solution and maybe they've like over engineered it or thought too much of it or thought that you wanted something else. When you ask those right questions, it's like, oh, that's what you wanted. That was a business outcome. Oh, well, uh, that's like, you know, a change that we can make in two hours versus, oh, well, we thought this thing was going to take, you know, two months to deal with. Um, So
1: well, and sometimes conversations like this can go like. Somebody comes into the room and says, "We need to buy these licenses, and we need to use AWS, and we need to uh, turn this on, and we need to hire this many headcounts and this many roles." And you know, maybe some of the people say, "Okay, right?" Maybe you ask why, and see that's you got to you can't stop at the first why. The first why might be, "Well, because we need to." Uh, turn on the e-commerce thing and we need this capability. So we need this Redis cluster inside AWS. And to do that, we need a database administrator <laughs> this. and suddenly you're like, oh, that all sounds like words I've heard before. That sounds okay. So it's not just about explaining it and saying, can you explain what a Redis cult, you know, uh, cluster is, can you explain what AWS is? Can you explain what a database administrator would do for us? It's also trying to get them to explain and justify it in terms of business objectives, hmm why do we need that cluster what will it enable us to do well that'll allow us to um bring on a new virtual um customer service agent okay that's interesting why is that what we're pursuing right and now you start creating a conversation where you're bringing in business value and helping to spread that into the technical organization. At the same time, they're explaining what they're trying to do and why it's important for what they believe the business objective is. This is where you get this kind of cross-pollination. And so I think it's not just asking people mechanically or academically, what is it you are explaining to me, but also justify it, explain to me why we need that. What is it going to do for the company? And collectively, let's figure this out now as a Mm -hmm. company. Um, And so maybe you might decide the course of course that conversation, we don't need this piece you were asking me for. We need this similar piece because that's a better business objective. And maybe it's cheaper too, or maybe, you know, we already have a piece of it we can repurpose. So
0: yeah. Or like, or like, Oh, Oh, that's what you wanted. Oh, I was trying to solve this problem, but you're telling me about the future, you know, because as a business executive, you understand better the future. And, you know, maybe the technologist was trying to solve like a problem that you told them, but only understood it in the silo. And, you know, that's going to hurt you down the line or maybe not hurt you, but cost you more money down the line. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: I mean, in technology, this is true, right? 80% yeah. of the work is in the last 20% of the problem. And, and yeah. so sometimes if you can say, hey, listen, that's outside of scope, that's outside of what we're focused on. That's not a big concern for us. Yeah. That's an edge case. Suddenly you maybe get a significantly cheaper, significantly faster solution. And again you can only do that if you have this kind of open transparency this curiosity on both sides of the fence of people really trying to get to the 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 nitty-gritty the the core of what that technology is going to do for your users for your customers
0: yes so i remember this comic and it was um this comic of somebody saying something something let's rebuild it and then they rebuild it and then you know they're like oh my gosh, Uh, you know, these 15 years of technology that we built on top of were all these beautiful edge cases that were built in that we said were, you know, uh, legacy code or whatever it is. And do you remember that comic? And it's like, yeah, the reason why, you know, it's it's like 15 years of learning is built into your platform. You wanting to rebuild it because you think, oh, we need to adopt a new technology versus reusing means, all the learnings from all the edge cases, all the reasons why you did things for customers, all of a sudden it goes away. Like you just wipe 15 years of like learnings gone.
1: Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, right. Nobody got promoted for a good database or a good uh, technology migration, but a lot of people have been fired over it. It's uh, <laughs> you know, migrations are, are a big risk. So, you know, if you can reuse your technology or reuse, things that are already exist. uh, That's always a best case scenario. Um, But again, it's not exciting for technologists. And this is, again, why you want to make sure that your technologists that are in charge are kind of understanding that the point of it isn't the technology itself. The point of it is what you're going to be able to do for and with your customers that you weren't able to do before.
0: The last tip is embracing trial and error. So mistake is thinking plans won't change. And the solution is just understanding that adopting technology and integrating into your business is a learning process. And there's going to be mistakes made. You're going to uncover new learnings along the way and just making sure you're open and flexible with different paths. Um, I think, you know, we've seen this a lot. You know, I I can picture multiple projects that we've worked on where it's like, oh, my gosh, this project is like two years in. And we're still on this path. And does this path even matter anymore? Because it's been two years and they thought this was going to be a six month project. And why is this still happening? Does this even make sense for the organization anymore? But nobody's willing to get off of the path because the leadership still thinks they want it because they're so mad that it's taken so long.
1: (laughs) Well, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. This, this sort of too much risk, either Mm -hmm. the company decides to go all in on something when it's completely unproven or as you sort of say, they are afraid to pivot out of something because of the sunk cost fallacy.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of
1: the best pieces of advice I ever got was in one of these conversations I had with uh, Charlie Isaacs from Salesforce, and he really uh, pioneered or advertised this idea of making true um, proof of concepts, truly small, isolated, low cost experiments that prove value that you can then rapidly iterate and develop on top of and I think that this is the right strategy you need to have as a company. You need to realize that you are changing the fabric of how your company operates, but you don't do it all on one day in one gigantic drop and just say, this is going to be perfection. You should be integrating tools, techniques, strategies, solutions sort of in isolated ways in experiments. Some will work, some won't work. But if you lower the temperature, if you lower the risk profile of this, lower the cost profile of this, you're going to have more flexibility to try different things and find the right solution. Um, a lot of companies go into multi-year long technology initiatives, and it all culminates in this gigantic release. And when they find out that they had missed a fundamental use case or a fundamental understanding of their customers, they spent too much money. Yeah. And you know, you've seen companies completely turn back from that. Um, and then completely pull technology back out and get burned by it, uh, you know, from these different solutions. Meanwhile, other companies that sort of do things that are incremental, uh, they just pivot over to something just to the side of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and see a lot of success from doing it.
0: Like uh, Netflix changing the subscription model on us. We're just gonna <laughs> lightly pivot over here, but you know, I mean, you see this in large technology companies as well, right? Like we think of Airbnb as like a tech company, obviously. And, um you know, I remember back in, oh my gosh, I can't remember. It was like 2000, maybe it was like 2010 or so 2012, maybe where, uh, Airbnb was talking about bringing experiences to the platform. So if you don't know about Airbnb, they have these like experiences you can now purchase. So you can go somewhere and on their platform, you can find a cooking class or like going to somebody's house to learn about, the plants in the area or go hiking or whatever. Um, and you know, this experiences thing that we're now seeing, I mean, the fact that it was talked about as an initiative back in, you know, 2012. So that's like 10 years ago and we're just seeing it, you know, I mean, it's, it's been around for a while, I suppose, but like how long, you know, how long has it really come to fruition on the platform seven, eight years? I haven't been paying that much attention. Um, why did it take so long? Mm-hmm. What was going on there? I don't know.
1: <laughs> and again, sometimes you need to, you know, again, I've seen this with AI adoption, you know, even mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. When we started playing around with AI tools, we mm-hmm. suddenly were like, well, we don't need this. And then mm-hmm. you start using it in a couple places and it proves some value. And then you start mm-hmm. thinking, well, where else can I use this? And you start finding more interesting ways to utilize it. And there are more advanced ways of utilizing it, delivering even more value. And yeah. you do this by changing your mindset. Yeah. So I worked with an insurance company that was um, they, they, they first had an audacious goal. They said, we're gonna do, this is a long time ago. So this, maybe nowadays this doesn't sound so novel, but it did at the time. They wanted to do sentiment analysis of all of their um, social media channels to understand what was going on with their customer base. And once they did that, they suddenly saw that they were getting such interesting value out of that. They then started looking, well, what's another thing that we're doing that could be helped by technology? And so then, you know, one by one, they change their claims process. They change their underwriting. They changed their customer amazing. experience. They change, you know, and, and you just do this by just seeing little problems you can solve in the organization, in your customer's experience. And you just tackle them one at a time, one at a time, one yes. at a time. So that if any one experiment fails, you haven't invested millions of dollars in some massive platform shift. Yeah. Instead you're spending tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars, doing little things, saving, areas of, saving
0: $10,000 a time. I remember this actually. So I had this boyfriend once and, um, RIP boyfriend, <laughs> ex-boyfriend. All right. Not, he's not dead. Okay. Right. <laughs> he's an ex-boyfriend. Anyways. So I, I was going, I was at the startup at my startup and I was going through this problem and I was having so many problems and it was like, so hard because we needed to like do better at sales. Right. And you know, when you're at a startup, it's like sink or swim. And, um, I would come home and I would tell him my problems and every single night he would say, give me just five minutes. And he would like, or 20 minutes, he would write a script or something like that, solve my problem. And we did this for an entire week solving my problems. And by the end, he literally eliminated one person's job. And at the time I was paying somebody $50,000 to do the work that he automated for me over the course of a week in, you know, 20 minutes at a time. So 20 times in a hundred minutes in less than two hours. That hurts. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, what? And honestly, that's kind of what got me into tech. I was like, I'm, I'm upset. <laughs> I'm upset that this, this is the solution. And, you know, I love going into organizations and just being like, let me just solve one problem at a time. Let me just help yeah. you solve one problem. And that that's really, you know, in my opinion, that's like a, that's, that's like a true partnership.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, challenge your vendors, challenge your engineering org. When they yeah. tell you that they need a, a millions of dollars in three years to deliver some sort of transformation. Yeah. No, I wanna see transformation in a matter of months. And again, that doesn't mean you're gonna get the whole thing in a matter yeah. of months, but challenge them to find a to small show piece
0: solutions. of problem that yes. they
1: can solve quickly yeah so that we can start to understand our tech stack we can start to understand our pain points our customers pain points and we can build and evolve from there um you know again the kind of technologists and vendors that you want to work with are going to be people that understand that yeah and the ones that you don't are going to be the kind of ones that are are going to say that well that's going to make it so that we have to cut corners and you know yeah. we really want this to be the best it can be you know, so we're I mean, talking about a, spending,
0: like you know, let's say you're spending a hundred thousand dollars a week or a hundred thousand dollars a month, okay, give or take, right? Let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars a week. Spending a hundred thousand dollars a week, and you're telling me I had to spend four hundred thousand dollars for what, or eight hundred thousand dollars for nothing, and it's been two months, and you're still getting onboarded. Like what? What? What are you talking about, right? Like with a hundred thousand dollars, like you should be able to see progress or know what the progress is in you know a week's time two weeks time like you should be able to see a push forward or at least have have something of substance that you're getting out of that money
1: yeah and again you know technology is hard and and understand your business is hard so if you're onboarding a new technology organization you're going to have to understand there's going to be a bit of an onboarding or a learning process in Mm -hmm. that Um, but once that's going you you want people that are looking for the first possible opportunity to give you something that works. Yeah, uh, because you know, the more that we work with people, the more we realize, listen, if we go off and we're, we're building something for a year, and we've not vetted it with you or your customers. That's, that's like a risk that gives me nightmares at night I wake up <laughs> sweats with something like that. That's a lot of risk. Uh, you know, but but still a lot of organizations feel this way, they feel like they have to protect what they're building until the whole solution is done. And mm-hmm. that is just a high risk, uh you know strategy Low reward it doesn't pay off big it doesn't save you a lot if mm-hmm. it does work so mm-hmm. you're right mm-hmm. it's, it's really all downside risk at that point yeah um, the best you can do is just an average solution and so and what you'll see is that you know if, if you were doing it incrementally you'd be a little bit more tailored to the market by the time yeah. you got to the same position yes. as, you, yes. as you were going to be
0: So, or, or things might have changed right this idea of embracing trial and error like once you're incrementally doing it once you can feel what tech is once you can feel what what you're doing and understand it you you might pivot i mean you might pivot in the in the first month that you're working six months i mean to say that you're working on something for you know two years one year and not pivoting even six months is like kind of crazy to oh, and i mean it's it's yeah.
1: terrifying to come to, to come out of the dark and release something and realize that you you misunderstood the coming audience.
0: out of the basement
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you come out of that stealth mode with whatever, you know, whatever that means, you know, whether you're yeah. a startup, whether you're again, an existing company that's starting a new initiative and you come out of that stealth mode and you release it and you realize that you missed something fundamental. Um, I've been there where we built a great product, but we did not fully understand the customer and the, the, the difference in what we understood changed something fundamental about the yeah. offering. And what do you do at that point? You've, you've built a whole platform. You have a whole thing now yeah and you have to already completely retrofit and completely revamp it that's just (laughs) nobody wants to be in that conversation you talking
0: about one of my side projects Rob
1: yeah
0: I feel so seen right now um one of my little embrace the trial and
1: error let things fail let things be small enough that they can fail Um, (laughs) and and you're going to end up in a better place as a
0: company yeah Well, this is fun chatting. So, um, you know, I always get excited talking to you, so it's fun to take a second. Um, so, you know, check out our, this dot YouTube. Um, if you need help from a consulting perspective, we love to do fractional work, fractional CTO work, um, getting in there and just like helping solve some problems, helping evaluate what's going on with you, really being true partners in that process. And, um, You know, I mean, just like I say with, um, you know, our design team, the reason why I love our design team so much is because, you know, I tell them what I want and they tell me what I actually need and they're always right. (laughs) So get you a technologist that does the same. You can check us out at this.co. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. You can find Rob on LinkedIn at Rob Osell. Yeah, you're muted, but, and you can find me on LinkedIn at Tracy S. Lee. Uh, and, you know, come hang out with us. And uh, thanks, Rob, for hanging out. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you next time.
1: Sometimes it's hard to bridge the gap between business objectives and tech implementation, and it can get messy. This Dot is trusted by top names like Meta, Google, and T Mobile, and they love helping business leaders fulfill their strategic digital initiatives. Check them out at thisdot.co. One more time that's T H I S D O T.co.